adopting agile practices without restructuring your teams is not going to get you very far. Yeah. Exactly. So this whole notion of companies with high development velocity have really broken down their organization, created these small, more autonomous, uh, agile teams that own their product end-to-end and then combined with the technology side of these recovery architectures and so forth. That was a big driver of high developer velocity. Hey, Microsoft Teams users. Looking for some new tech to improve your engineering team? Linear B just released Worker B for developers, a free adaptive bot that learns how you work and saves you time. Engineering leaders love this chat integration because it is uniquely configurable to eliminate workflow bottlenecks and decrease the cycle time without manager involvement. Plus, developers love it because it reduces context switching and gets their code into production faster. Give WorkerBee a try and save your developers up to 50 minutes a day. Check it out at LinearBee.io. Hi folks, Devin Erupted's executive producer, Connor Bronston here again. There are big changes in Devin Erupted this week. Dan is getting married, so he is out. Because between that, our Devin Erupted Interact conference last week, and LinearBee's major growth, things are getting pretty wild around here, as you might imagine. With that in mind, I wanted to share one of our favorite sessions from Interact last week. I sat down with Microsoft's GM of Azure for Canada to get the inside scoop on their research into developer velocity. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for a sneak peek into some of our upcoming episodes. We're almost a year in, and we've got big plans to end season one with a bang and kick off season two in November. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Today, I've got with me Heinrich Doodle to talk about Microsoft's research into developer velocity. Heinrich is the general manager of Microsoft Azure. He's responsible for leading the commercial cloud business for Microsoft Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Connor. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm super stoked to have you as part of Interact. This new research is really exciting. Can you summarize the big takeaways for Microsoft's research into developer velocity for everyone here? Uh, sure, I can, I can at least try because the development velocity research actually spanned two uh, different parts and two different surveys that we had in the market. So let me just spend a couple of minutes kind of level setting on, uh, on That'd be the findings we got in, in both. I think that the first survey we put into market happened early 2012, so pre-COVID. We were researching uh, just over 400 large companies uh, around the world. And we were really trying to quantify like what business impact does uh, developer velocity has. And at the same time, getting a bit more crisp on what are some of the drivers behind developer velocity that have the biggest business impact. And uh, as you could expect, like uh, their survey found that there was a direct correlation between high developer velocity and business impact companies in the top quartile. Yeah, you know that now. Exactly. Four to five times higher uh, profit margin, more innovative and, and, and so forth. But uh, what I thought was really interesting out of that first part of the survey was the drivers that make up the biggest impact or the drivers that have the biggest impact. Because we looked at development velocity across over 40 dimensions and there were really four things that bubbled up to the surface. Like one was uh, the importance of strong product management capabilities inside the organization. The second one was around culture. The third one was around developer tools and developer tool sets. Uh, and the last one was around uh, talent management. So out of all the 40 dimensions we looked at, these were by far the foremost uh, impactful as it pertains to driving high developer velocity. And then fast forward to the second piece, what were the kind of outcomes you found there? Yeah. So then in, in early 2021, uh, late 2020, early 21, the second version of the, of the survey, just to validate our findings, but also to take a closer look at like did, did COVID and this whole shift to remote work actually have any impact on some of the findings. And in, in, in general, it, it was a very similar theme or very similar feedback we, we got. In this survey, we particularly looked at 
actually retail and financial service customers, uh, in particular developer organized inside those companies, because they were two industries that were pretty much on the front line as it pertains to the whole transformation. And findings were similar to as in the first survey. And, and in general, they fell into one of three categories. There was a category around technology. There was a category around working practices. And there was a category around organizational. And on the technology side, a couple of things that, that stood out. I think number one, and uh, shouldn't be a surprise uh, to you or any of your uh, listeners, I think cloud adoption was obviously one of the things that set the, the digital leaders apart. But also having investments in solid tool sets and tool chains. And that actually came across in, in two regards. Number one, this whole shift to remote work all of a sudden. Like companies who had made investments in sophisticated and advanced developer tools that had unified developer tools across the uh, organization actually saw a parity in developer productivity between remote developer productivity and uh, in-person developer productivity. So for many of these digital leaders, the shift to remote work actually did not impact developer productivity. And we actually saw the same at Microsoft, whereas those who were laggards obviously saw a decrease in developer productivity. But even more importantly, what they also saw is that the bug rate went up by 50%. The companies who were who had development teams that were distributed remote versus who were co-located actually saw an increase of the buck rate of over 50, uh, uh, 50%. So you had this interesting conundrum on the digital leaders not having a, uh, a big of an impact on them, that the laggards with low development velocity got the double whammy on productivity and bugs in their product, which then ultimately leads to the, the third finding in the technology bucket, which is that was one of the ones that, that stood out, like customers with high developer velocity indexes or high developer velocity in, in general were companies who had made investments in security, who had adopted DevSecOps practice practices, who had institutionalized the whole notion of leaning left and, and so forth. But I think from a technology perspective, cloud adoption, the tool set, and then this whole cultural thinking of security being a part of everyone's day-to-day -day job were the three things that stood out on the security side. And then working practices and organizational enablement were two other and really big pillars. I'd love to drill more into those. What I'm hearing is that the technological needs were such a baseline that if you missed out on those, you were screwed. Yeah, no, 50%. Bug rate increase. You're going to be a laggard. You have all these issues. But what did the data say about working practices and organizational enablement then using those to increase that velocity? Yeah. So to start with working practices, I think really three things stood out. One was this whole notion of agile, which again, should be pretty obvious, but I think what was underneath, it wasn't just about adopting agile practices. It was actually some of the, uh, the organizational implications behind that, because adopting agile practices without restructuring your teams is not going to get you very far. Yeah. Exactly. So this whole notion of companies with high development velocity have really broken down their organization, created these small, more autonomous, uh, agile teams that own their product end to end, and then combine with the technology side of loosely coupled architectures and so forth. That was a big driver of high developer velocity. And we can maybe talk about it uh, a little bit later. It's actually one of the first things companies should be looking at if they want to drive high developer velocity. The other thing that we saw was uh, inner sourcing in general was that was a big driver of it, creating this openness, collaborative environment inside the organization. And then last, but definitely not least, let's say open source adoption. I thought this one was interesting because it's not that open source adoption in itself gives you a velocity, but what we saw was that companies who already had good developer velocity were able to get to great developer velocity by adopting uh, open source uh, technologies. So those companies that were already in the leader category, so to speak, and that had adopted open source categories were actually able to set themselves further apart, both in terms of 
innovation and pace of innovation, but also developer satisfaction. It's the notion of open source being a great way to attract and retain developers. It's companies contributing to open source projects. And it's really a great way to show to the world that you're innovative and invested in areas. Open source in itself was a driver on the working uh, practice side. That's so interesting. It's clear that there's this compounding effect where if you miss out on one thing, you're going to miss out on benefits that are compounding from the other. For the leaders who are listening to this talk, what should they do to begin using, integrating some of these learnings uh, into their own organizations? I think a uh, couple of things. I think around organizational enablement in general, which I think a lot of leaders need to spend a lot of time on in this uh, in this regard. There were a couple of really key pointers that I think every leader should uh, should take to heart. Number one, and again, no surprise, but the importance of world-class talent management and talent development. And it's one of those things like, as a leader, you, you cannot outsource the value proposition for your company on why top world-class development talent should work for you is something that, that every leadership team should uh, have on their daily agenda. So really think through what is your value proposition in the market? Do you have the right programs in place to attract and retain uh, a talent? It's definitely one category. Making sure you use your top talent on your biggest project. I think obviously a given will help okay. your top projects more successful, but it also helps drive broader organizational enablement and broader organizational development happiness too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's exactly uh, a key thing. Like this whole notion that the, the individual developer is in most cases more important than the leaders and the, the executive team in, in this world is really critical. Number one thing to do as a leader is, is really take talent management to heart. I think the second thing I'd say is this whole notion of agile and setting your organization up for it. It's making sure that you restructure your organization into these smaller, more autonomous teams, making sure that you're working towards a more loosely coupled architecture and, and, and so forth. But I think this, this whole notion of agile and uh, should really be one of the first three things that, that every leader should look at. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is this whole, something that's near and dear to my heart, is, uh, is this whole notion of product management as a discipline and, and building strong product management capabilities. Because if you're moving to a world where you have these autonomous teams that kind of own their product end-to-end, -end, both you know, customer-facing product, but even internal okay. product, like the whole importance of product management as a discipline and, and having people who have a strong foundation in business and in technology is super critical. And as we talked about at the beginning, it's actually one of the top four uh, drivers of high, uh, of high development velocity. So yeah, if, if this was my business, I'd probably start in those three areas. And then as you grow in maturity, you can start looking at other things around the tool set and automation and uh, so forth. But those are three things that every business leader could start on uh, tomorrow. Those are great takeaways. And I, I feel like there's this table stakes now with technology where you have to be cloud net adoptive. You have to meet certain standards and then you have these opportunities for these big moves, like you mentioned. But if we drill down a bit into the individual developer experience, how can they make a, a broad impact on their team velocity from the, an individual standpoint? Well, that's actually a really good question. I think a couple of things jump to, to mind. The number one thing is if you really think about what developer velocity is, the whole idea behind developer velocity is how do you create the right environment and how you remove points of friction uh, for developers so that they can become more innovative. As an individual developer, one of the, the first call to actually speak up, uh, if you see inefficiencies in the process, if there's anything in your day-to-day -day life that's limiting you from being innovative and having high velocity, speak up. Uh, bring solutions to the table. I always say that's usually what uh, what really sets set people apart. But don't sit by yourself and get frustrated that something isn't um, running as optimal as it could. Speak up, take it, work with your colleagues, take it up the, the management chain. And every leadership that really wants to take developer velocity to heart would listen and address. So I think that's the first, the first and, thing. That and to your point, I think they have to enable that too, right? Like leaders yes. have to give this space where developers feel not just 
uh, allowed, but encouraged and maybe even compelled in a polite way to uh, speak up, like you're saying. Spot on. Again, like you said at the beginning, that culture was one of the other four things that really stood out. And this all comes down to, do you have that open and transparent culture where people cannot just do their best work, but can also contribute to make others work better and contribute to higher development velocity across the whole organization? Which then also is probably another thing I would call out on individual contributors is, is really like this whole notion of enablement. What are you doing to help make others? Are you sharing best practices? We talked a lot about uh, a tool set and tool chaining in the beginning. If you found out uh, a different way of doing something, are you sharing that with your peers? You found a great way of, of continue to further your learning. Are you sharing that with your peers? So I really think this whole mindset of not just becoming better as an individual developer yourself, but how can you help your colleagues become better developers is probably a, a second category. And then third, because we talked about it in the beginning, security. I think take lean left to heart. The more secure your code is, the more time you're going to free up, not just for yourself, but for the whole organization to focus on innovation. So yeah, those would probably be the three things I'd advise individual developers to take to heart as it pertains to improving their companies on up developer velocity. I think these are really great points. And like you said, when there's this baseline tooling and good hiring practices and good culture in place, you can then take those next steps of how do I help my developers have ownership of their code? How do I really enable them to be able to fully embrace agile practices, which means you have to have them the organization. How do we make sure they have an opportunity to speak up and, and do all these things that are really take what we're doing at the next level. This has been super interesting and I, I know there's some great takeaways here. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. What are, what are the best places to dig deeper in this research? And all the research papers are are on the website. So azure.com slash developer velocity. So yeah, all the research paper we did with McKinsey is there as well as some best practices on how to get started. Fantastic. We'll definitely drop a link in the chat right now. And thanks so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful. Honor. Thank you, Connor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. I hope everyone enjoyed my conversation with Henrik. Next, I'm going to give you an exclusive look at what's coming next for the pod. But first, please make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast and join the Dev Interrupted Discord. Links in the description below. I know we say it every week, but it's so important for the show to get these reviews to get noticed and help our legitimacy to book the best possible guests for you. And every review matters. Speaking of guests, we'll be closing out season one with a full episode on Linear B's explosive growth. Our guest host will be interviewing both our very own Dev Interrupted Dan Lines and his co-founder, Linear B CEO, Ori Karen. I'm super psyched to record that episode in person with him in Austin. Uh, incredibly excited for that. We've also got some other fantastic episodes recorded or coming soon. Dan sat down with New Relic CTO and Global VP of Partnerships. We spoke with Heidi Williams, head of platform and B2B engineering for Grammarly. And Microsoft CTO Darren Dillon joined us for an interview. After that... We're going to have some amazing founding stories from technical founders of how they built their businesses and talk to some incredible VCs. We've got GitHub's ex-CTO, leaders from Fable, Range.co, Insights, and many more coming. Plus, look for some incredible leaders at top companies, developer industry sites like Daily.dev, leading industry content creators, and more. But I can't give away too much. You'll just have to keep tuning in. We're so honored you've all stuck with us throughout season one, and we can't wait to close it out and bring you even more incredible engineering stories and leadership lessons in season two. Thanks for all of your support, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.